Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Back at it again, Bob. I hope you're ready for another episode of the Replant Bootcamp, which will keep the train on running. And, you know, I think you might have preemptively talked your Cowboys out of success because uh, this is going to come out, you know, a little after we record it. Uh, there will be a Cowboys game between now and when this goes. But the last Cowboys game that we, at the time of this recording, are aware of, they beat the Giants like a junior varsity team. They beat them like they stole something. Yeah. yeah. To borrow a line from, I uh, remember the Titans. Yeah, I mean, I didn't watch it, but I saw the score. Yeah. And I, I thought, is that, I mean, how do you in the NFL lose 40-0? to zero? Well, Jimbo, I am not convinced that this is evidence of the Cowboys' greatness as much as that it is could be evidence of the Giants' patheticness. It is for sure evidence of at least that. <laughs> so, like, I don't know what it says about how good the Cowboys are. I'd nothing. like to see what the Giants do with the rest of their season. But here's the deal. That's what I'm telling you. If you're in the NFL and you lose 40-0, to zero, you don't score a single field goal. Yeah. You are not good. Yeah, well, um, I'm going to go ahead and make a prediction. I think the Cowboys are out of it by week five. Okay, all right. So we'll we'll see. But this past weekend, prior to this recording, was a really great football weekend. Yeah. So LSU won, Arkansas won, the Saints won, yeah. the Jags won, yeah. the Cowboys won, yeah. and most importantly, Alabama lost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes. And who'd they play? They played Texas? or who They played they? Texas. Well, so why did they schedule? Like, so Texas is back, baby. Usually, usually an SEC team schedules a beauty school team or like a, you know, Roots Beauty College. Yeah, they, I mean, uh, they've had some cupcakes coming in already. La La Tech or, you know, so, some of those, like, who is this and why do they have football? Kind right. Of, kind of a thing. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, that's that's what LSU did this last weekend. Yeah. Well, Arkansas pretty, did the same thing. Kent yeah. State. I mean, you know. I, I, think, you know, I think Alabama had a cupcake week one. Okay. And so then this was like, you know, they're out of conference. You know, let's make it a game. But, you know, we'll destroy them anyway. And yeah, then, no. And they didn't just lose by like a field goal. They oh. lost. But they didn't lose 40 to zero. Yeah. But they did lose by ten points. Hey, tell you what, anytime Alabama loses, it's a good day it is a for good me. Day. And I, you know, apologies to Josh Wally. Love you, Josh. Um, Josh, you know, sorry, buddy. We will never root for Alabama. You know, and I was gonna talk trash on his social media, but I went and looked and he posted, you know, something about Alabama and then was like, Hey, <laughs> come to church tomorrow morning and Jesus juked me. And so I couldn't I didn't feel like I could talk trash. Yeah. But he did see Ryan Durham, replanter of the year. Yeah. Apparently, as a Texas Longhorn fan, he posts something about Longhorns winning. Look at horns, yeah. Mm-hmm. All I did was uh, I liked the post, and Josh Wally commented, uh, "I see you, Jimbo." <laughs> <laughs> well, so. we love our good friend Josh Wally, and we know he's listening. And uh, so, I, Josh, I hope you're having a good week, and you've recovered from the Alabama. I, I'm look. I hate. I don't know who Alabama plays the weekend prior to this being released, but you know, there's a game between us recording and this being released. I, I'm just going to predict Alabama is going to dis- destroy 
I don't care who it is. They're just going to destroy it because they're going to be so mad. And <laughs> they're going to come out and absolutely destroy it. But if they lose, I'm calling it, Nick Saban's retiring. Yeah, there you go. Or he's going to get fired. Who knows? But hey, Battle of the Boot. Battle of the Boot. Yeah, is so the Battle of the Boot will be after this comes out. So we the, when this comes out, we will be prepping. We'll be trash talking all week. Uh, and the Battle of the Boot will be coming up. I'll be in Arkansas with my family watching it. And then we'll get to... Reveal the winner of our bet and make good on our wager in Oklahoma. Pajama top or hog hat, what will it be? It's going to be interesting to see. Yeah. So we'll have pictures. We'll post them on social media, yep. and uh, we'll, we'll look forward to that. So, yeah, um, this is uh, we're in Birmingham tonight, so it is yep. the first of the final three uh, replant yeah. gigs for me as an yeah. official replant team member. Yep. And so we've had a great time. It's been good to connect with some folks from Nashville, my new home that I'm heading to and, yep. uh, and some yeah, good folks from Alabama. After Nashville. So your last chance to catch Bob on the farewell tour, yeah. uh, will be in Oklahoma. Well, speaking of the seasons of you leaving and seasons of football, let me talk to you about my least favorite season, Bob. Let's do it. You know, I, of all the seasons, one of my favorite things I heard seasons uh, recently, Andy Addis at the Replant Summit, my favorite quote, he said, talked about when we get overworked, when we do all these things, we just say, well, it's just a season. <laughs> and he said, let's stop saying that. Yeah, it's a season. It's winter in Narnia, and it's freezing, and Christmas never comes. <laughs> and we tell you there's a season that is less appealing to me than even winter in Narnia. And what is it, Jimbo? Election season. Oh, I'm with you. Look, I don't, I don't know if this just brings PTSD or, or what it is, but election season is the worst. It, my roughest seasons as a pastor were, were elections. The last two election seasons kicked my tail. Mm. And I mean, just so many things got attached to it. And like, it was so divisive. And it was just really, we were in a very diverse context especially politically more than even anything else. And so, man, I, I mean, I felt like everything I said got politicized and turned into an extreme view. Like if you said anything, it was like interpreted as some crazy extreme view of, of against whatever they were for. And it's like, that's not even, I mean, like, I mean, through look, the rumors about me through election season, Bob, is that I was, uh, I mean, I'm not even like all kinds of insane things that you're just like, are you, are you mentally okay that, that, that that's you you came to that deduction from that yeah because um, you I mean you're I can't imagine you you know being over the top I, I mean not when it comes to politics no. you know me like I am apolitical mm-hmm. like I I don't even like talking about politics mm-hmm. and it's probably why it's, it's why I wanted to do this episode is election season's coming and if I could go back some people have asked me if you could go back to the beginning of when you started replanting, what advice would you give? And just for me, in my own context, I literally would go back and be like, hey, probably don't relaunch and change names during an election season. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, like, don't, just don't do that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because you had, now it all makes sense to me. Yeah. Because I, I remember the episode on how not to do a name change. It was awful. And there was like miscues and fumbles and the bus shot off the road and the wheels oh, flew God, off. It was so and, bad. And uh, you voted and unvoted and re-voted. Oh. And, and now I get it, Chimbo. Brutal. <laughs> and, I mean, like, and that's just one part of it. I mean, it's like everything I did got attached to these political kids. If you did a if you did a color map of how everyone in my congregation voted, and then you took any issue going on in our church at that time, and you did a color map, it would be identical no. on different sides. And so it's like everything got turned into politics. So 
here's what I want to do, Bob. I want to jump through a couple of things, helping guys think through how to navigate wisely in this season because political tensions that often permeate society can easily seep into our congregations very easily. They threaten the unity that we as Christians are called to uphold. And so in this episode, here's what I want to do. I want to explore how pastors can handle election season with wisdom and with grace, promoting unity without sacrificing their convictions. So first, I want to start with unity. Unity is the is this, I think this is what the devil loves to attack in this season is unity. And so how do we think through that? Unity within the body of Christ is a really big deal. I mean, mm-hmm. you read the Bible. This is what Jesus prays for in the high priestly prayer. Right. So many Pauline epistles address this. And so one of the things I think you have to clarify is unity and uniformity are not the same thing. And unity in the body of Christ is theological, not ideological. Mm-hmm. So here's what I mean by both those statements. Unity, not uniformity. Meaning our unity is we are unified in our theological understanding of who God is and our understanding of who that means we are and our identity in Christ and as the body of Christ and what it means for us to be on mission for Christ. That's where our unity is. That plays out different in everybody's lives based on their gifting and their context. And so we're not uniform in that we don't all play the same roles, right? Ephesians 4.16 says when each part plays its role properly, the church builds itself up in love. Not everybody plays the same role. So we have different roles. We're not uniform but we are unified, but it's theological, not ideological. Right. So one faith, one Lord, one baptism, yep. all those sorts of things. Yeah. I think this, the, here's the challenge for this is when someone rises up and says, well, real Christians will vote this way. Oh, that's the worst. Right. And so that, that makes it very, very difficult to, to then have a conversation and you've automatically put someone who votes differently on that you've basically questioned their salvation. Yeah. And, you, and so now... When you've taken something that's very complex and you've yeah. oversimplified it yeah. into a party or a person or something like that. And so you, you've taken something that's incredibly complex and you've just, you've oversimplified it and everybody has to be like me and vote like me and think like me on everything. And that's not true. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, we, we, Jimbo, we, we probably should say this at this point. We typically think in a binary choice, either yeah. this or that. Yep. And it, in our election system, it is primarily binary. This yeah. this party or that party wins. Yeah. But there there are alternative options, right? People, this when they go to the ballot box in November of 2024, Jimbo, they could write your name in <laughs> or my name in, right? Yeah. So there are other options. Yeah. And, and I think that that may be a little more helpful is to remember that there are other options. Now, we are not in a, we are not a, in a system right now in in terms of our government system, our party system, where you're going to get probably a third party yeah. uh, for a number of years. I think eventually, Jimbo, it, it will happen. Maybe when my kids are my age, maybe when, when my kids are a little bit older in my age, we might see a third party candidate win. Yeah, and we have seen some third party candidates spoil elections through you know through my lifetime, especially in some in. Um, in some of the years when a third part of somewhat viable third party candidate rose mm-hmm. and peeled off mm-hmm. some votes, we may see that this year, who knows, but you've just got to realize that, that we're treading on a little bit dangerous ground when we say that, that real Christians will vote this way. Now yeah. I, I could, you know, I would imagine some people are listening to that and they get real frustrated because they're thinking about a particular issue yeah, and I related to, to this or that. And I, I don't, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, 
enumerate those issues right now. But here's what I would say. If you're mad at me for saying this, what I would say is you and I probably agree on the, the key issue that you're mad about. Yeah. Right. And so before you get mad at me and send an email and say, you're glad I'm leaving Nam. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. If we can get to this podcast without an angry email, that's going to be a win. Yeah. It's going to be hard. So uh, I just, I want to be, I just want us to be careful not to, not to fall in that trap that we, we say real Christians vote this way. Right. right. So it's, it's just, but there yeah. are convictions that Christians have about yes. things that matter yeah. that play out in the political process that I think the, that biblically the view of Christians is, you know, this, right? Yep. And so if I can just say that and be yep. there, I, I, you know, I think that would probably be good. Well, I think, yeah, just I, my thing that I have always said is, is the biggest banner of your life has to be your identity in Christ. Sure. And it can't be anything else, uh, including your sports team, which is why I can love an Alabama fan, right? I mm-hmm. mean, I can because that's how powerful the gospel well, is. Well, the gospel, Jesus told us to love our enemies. Yeah, I mean, so... And pray for those I, who persecute you. I can even you. be brothers in Christ with an Alabama fan. There you go. I'm not going to say... <laughs> I w- I'm not even going to go as far to say you can't be a Christian and be an Alabama fan. I know some, and, and I love them. I'll come right up to that line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here's the next bullet point I want to hit is embrace wisdom in your timing. Um... You know, when you are implementing change, you have to calculate a lot of things that are going on, including the culture of your people and what's going on. And uh, and so during an election season, when emotions are already running high, divisions already more pronounced, the enemy already has a foothold to try to divide your congregation. It's wise at that point to exercise caution as you think through and maybe avoid introducing significant alterations that could further disrupt the congregation's harmony. Focus on nurturing spiritual growth. Take this as a season to focus on unity around our theological identity, not our ideologies. Um, and so, like for me, I mean, it's like our our relaunch, voter re, you know, to be a new name, and a whole plethora of other things I don't want to go into, all like ended up in election seasons <laughs> and. Uh, and that's where I legitimately would go back and be like, Jimbo, don't do that. Like, yeah, yeah. It's already going to be a hard enough season. Don't don't add something that can become fodder for disunity uh, in that time. So just think through like what you're leading through. And you know, if you have a completely homogeneous like congregation and they're all going to vote the same way and nobody's divided, then go for it. Do all right. Yeah. But that was not my context, yeah. and and so it was like everything I did got attached to the election. And even though I wasn't trying to do any of that. And so just be wise in how you navigate those things. And and just I think the question to ask is, will this help cultivate unity within our body? Or could it possibly disrupt that? And if it could possibly disrupt it, can it wait? Mm-hmm. Can I just wait? Can we be on the other side of this election season? And then I'll move towards that. And let me just do some things that really help us focus on unity right now. Right, because the fight, you, you could be getting into fight and disunity and conflict that is not really the, the result of a, f- a feeling or a, a belief about the issue that you're trying to decide yeah. and move forward on. It's you're, you're getting the baggage of frustration from X, right? From from the, from the political season, from behind. Yeah. So it, it when you shared this point, it reminds me of we learned at some point in our parenthood, do not take your children to the restaurant when they are tired and cranky and haven't had oh, a nap. yeah. Because they will go nuts. Well, let me let me tell you a real life story. All right. 
So Trip, our oldest, when he was an only child, great kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, super compliant, super chill, was like the perfect restaurant baby. We could just take him, put him in the high chair, give him something to eat. Love him. I mean, just we could do whatever. So Audrey and I decide one night, you know, we want to go on a nice date. There's some things we want to celebrate, and we want to go out. And So we decide we're going to go to a nice restaurant. We'll take Trip. We'll put him in the high chair, into the table. Everything will be wonderful. <laughs> nope. Trip woke up and chose violence. It, it, Bob, it was so crazy. Like he literally, he literally grabs the silverware oh. off the table and just chunks it across the restaurant. Hits a guy in the head. Like, and this guy's looking at me like he's going to murder me. And, and he was going to choose violence too. He was going to choose violence, and all this stuff's happening. It is so bad. We had already ordered our food, but it wasn't there yet, and it was too late to cancel it. And so I was just like, Audrea. Take him to the car. I will get it to go. Yeah. It was rough. Yeah. I don't do that. Yeah. So think about your timing or you're going to end up maybe getting beat up in a restaurant. I mean, that could happen. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about social media during an election mm. season. I mean, really social media in any season. I was reading a book recently by our friend that's been on the podcast, Trevin Wax, called Multidirectional Leader. And he talks about how... On polarizing issues, we have to be skilled as leaders at addressing it from different angles. And he gives an example of John Stott and some others that when they're within one context speaking to a certain group of people, they'll speak about an issue in a certain way. When are in different contexts, and not that the content changes, but maybe even the tone or way they talk about it, the severity of which they hit an idea would depend on reading reading the room, understanding who they're talking to and understanding the dynamics and the yeah. life and the context of who they're talking to. And that's a skill. That's a good skill to have as a leader. Yeah. And as your congregation, as you're leading your congregation, you should think through those things. But when it comes to social media, you can't do that because all the context are out there. All the context are reading everything that you're writing, everything that you're seeing. And and so you have to navigate social media much more wisely and nuanced than you do in person. Yeah. Social media is flat. You can read a word or a sentence or a structure and you can think, man, I, what does that mean? And yeah. what did they mean by that? And you know, I wrote a post several, probably a couple of years ago, I think it was during COVID, yeah. about how to pastor people in their social media. So we'll link that in the show notes. But it, it's very difficult. And part of our, you know, culture as NAM employees is to stay in our lane and to not use social media in a way that creates confusion because we have to work with a lot of different yeah. folks. And and so the, the post in particular that I wrote about talks about when you have somebody that's just posting and it's creating tension in your congregation, how do you lean into that? How do you have the conversation? And I actually went kind of in, in dialogue where I had a, a congregate who was posting things and people were coming to me going, Hey, are you seeing this? And so I yeah. was able to interact with them. And, and yeah. so it gives you some practical handles. So you might want to check that out. We'll have that in show notes. Well, part of it is being 85% of communication is nonverbal, right? Yeah. Which means you have at best decreased your effectiveness at communication by mm-hmm. 85% when you mm-hmm. post something on social media, like you're not going to be able to adequately get across your tone or your context, what you're trying to say. So just, I mean, outside of election season, I think social media is just a bad place for a real robust dialogue. Yep. And so just be mindful of what you're posting out there. Be wise. Try to, I mean, my thought is like, I never want to distract from the gospel. I never want to distract from my mission. I never, I don't, I don't ever want to create division between me and you because of something that is not ultimate. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I'll let there be some division between me and you yeah. on 
some theological things that are serious. But I, I just never, I never want to create barriers on accident because I wasn't clear in my communication. Right, right. And so, you know, you wouldn't necessarily post which how the best chicken fingers, Chick Fil A or Canes or oh, I'll die on that hill. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> raising canes for sure. You know what, Jimbo? I'm with you. And I the Lord's chicken is good, but then raising canes moved north. And I'm just, there's something about that crispy crunch. Yeah. Well, there's still not one in Jacksonville. There is one in Tallahassee and Gainesville. So okay. I think, I think Gainesville. So not too far from me, but all right, let's move forward. Cause I, there's some things I want to make sure we hit at the end and I don't want to rush you too bad. So leveraging social media, and then here's here's the deal. You're a lot better at this than I am, Bob, because of my PTSD with election seasons. But how do you how do we best equip our congregations to think through the role of government and to be discerning voters as they and not ignore us? Like so, when I'm not so we're not saying ignore the election season. We're saying don't let it become a distraction. Don't let don't give the devil an extra foothold. Make sure you're focused on unity and not uniformity. And those are all kind of things that kind of skirt around it a little bit. But how do we lead and pastor our people well in this? Yeah, this is this is a challenging one. I, I think you have to go to the scriptures and equip them to understand the role of government. So I think it's Romans 13 and 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 Daniel uh, chapter two. I think talk about how the fact that the Lord institutes and raises up leaders and He takes them down and He He raises them up for a specific purpose. And so there's some mysterious divine interplay between the Lord's sovereignty and our participation that we could get a R.C. Sproul and you know John Piper and. Tim Keller, you know, and I'm mentioning some theologians who are no longer with us, right? But we could, if we could somehow have received instruction from them, they would talk about this mysterious interplay between God's sovereignty and man's participation. And so if we approach it as a believer that if our candidate doesn't win, then all is lost, or if the other one wins, you know, if, if my my candidate wins, all is great. We're not approaching it with an understanding of God's sovereignty. And so what I would say is you've got to find a way to equip your people to understand our hope is not in elections yeah. or elected individuals. Yeah. And, and so there's a theological component. And then there's also just this practical component, too, to help them understand the role of government, in particular, how our country has structured it. And it's limited, right? The executive branch has a lot of power and they can do a lot of different things, but they don't have ultimate power because they're in check by the legislative check by the legislative branch. And the legislative branch is in check by the executive branch. And both of those branches are held in check by the judiciary, right? Uh, and the judicial branch. And yeah. so yeah. so we have this really interesting, slow and cumbersome and challenging form of government that actually was put together for that specific purpose to make wild swings and craziness hard to, to do, right? And so yeah. we are we have been in we've been recipients of kind of the the stalemate or the struggle of that because ideologically our our parties and our political players are in such different pages mm-hmm. that we have hard swings for four years and then maybe eight years and then back four years. And so we're kind of back and forth. So but the ultimately what happens is the work of the previous administration, particularly in the judiciary, has limited what the legislative or the executive can do in that short time frame. And so we get this kind of static 
type of type of deal. Now, help your people understand that from a civics or kind of a government point of view that all is not lost. And in the grand scheme of things, four to eight years is really not that long of a period of time. It yeah. may seem like it. Yeah. But it's not. And God is still on the throne. And yeah. then the last one, Jimbo, the last point that we want to talk about is how do you help? And this this is a kind of a sub point of equipping. It's kind can be kind yeah. of its own. How do you help your folks be discerning voters? Yeah. And so one of the things that I really wrestled with in, in the past couple of elections where I would have young folks come to me and say, who in the world do I vote for? Like, and so they would be they would be looking at it as I'm voting for this person. And so I would say, we need to broaden that a little bit. You need to think about you're voting for a person, yes, but that person belongs to a party and that party puts forth a platform and that platform has derivative policies that come from it. So what you're actually voting for is a platform and policies. Yeah. So let's talk about that, right? What is the platform of that particular political party? What are they about? What do they want to do? What do they say their major emphases are? How do they want to address the problems and the challenges that we face as citizens of the United States? Then what policies naturally flow from that platform? Yeah. That's what you're voting for. Yep. And so look at that and discern that and ask yourself, do these policies that come from this platform that belong to this political party that's put forth this person, are they promoting the common good? Are they seeking to address the issues in a way that we feel are, are right and just and try to make your decision based on that? And as I explained that, it, it still was hard for people yeah, because we kind of go back to this, the elementary school election, right? <laughs> it's all about popularity and who do I like and who do I think, you know, and yeah. it's, not, you know, I mean, that's what it really feels like a lot of times. And so that's yeah. really the way that our political process, too, is we try to make the other candidate look horrible and barely do we get any conversation about platform and policy. But that's where you really should focus, because I think that understanding the, the previous point about the limitations of the different branches of government, you really need to look at the policies and platforms and ask yourself, do I believe uh, wh- which platform and policies that will derive from that, that or derive from that, that platform, which ones do I believe will address the concerns and the conditions that need to be addressed? Well, I don't trust any of them. <laughs> and so I'm writing in Coach O, go Tigers. There you go. Because I've decided that most politicians are basically like Alabama football fans. <laughs> and they're pompous and they're arrogant and they're used to getting what they want in their way. And they beat up on the little guy all the time. And so hook them horns, go Coach O, and let's just vote them all out. Well, Jimbo, we are in Alabama, and I hope that our uh, hotel room is not bugged because I'm not sure we're getting out of here after that long <laughs> statement. So uh, the the Crimson Tide police may descend upon us. It could happen. Hey, uh, speaking of football, let's land the plane here. Battle of the boot. Stick around to figure out who wins, pajama top or hog hat. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.